So for today's podcast, I'm going to be uh, continuing some interviews that I had with three interns at the CropLife America headquarters in, in uh, Washington, D.C. So you'll be continuing to hear from um, folks that, that the previous podcast was about sort of their introduction and their story. And then we get into some other things in this stage of it here. Uh, we'll be talking with Ashlyn Benega, who goes to Iowa State and Josie Montanay, who goes to Ohio State, and Mackenzie Carvalho, who goes to Oklahoma State. So, do you have a concept of what you want to do when you graduate? Oh, there's the question. <laughs> if I've learned anything this summer is if you ask anyone what they want to be when they grow up out here, they can be whatever age they are. They can't tell you what they want to be when they grow up because nobody out here either planned to stay out here or really planned exactly for the position they're in because it's such a changing space all the time. So... Yeah. Oh, and I should point out, because we didn't say it, but we're, we're in Washington, D.C. Oh, that, yes. That's where the Crop Life Association <laughs> yes. is. So, And it was I not know. a place that you wanted to be this last weekend. Oh, it no. was sure, sure. miserable. <laughs> <laughs> not a good time for the air conditioner to break. No. Yeah. So... I think, I mean, I've always, my freshman year of high school, I remember going to my first legislative leadership conference and walking into the state house as a however old I was, what, 14 at that point, and walking away at the end of the day and knowing that I wanted to work in ag policy. Like, I didn't really know what issues I wanted to work in. I didn't know, but I was like, man, I really love talking about this stuff. And I've always really enjoyed policy and things like that. Um, I come from a pretty heavy science background. So I found that, especially working at CropLife, when you have so much kind of the specifics about pesticide chemistries, that's not intuitive in the slightest, um, really enjoyed that aspect of where you get to bring in the communication, but also with the science and also with the policy. Um, so I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but I'm sure it's going to probably pertain to ag policy is going to be the goal to stay in this realm. So it's nice to work in a job that gets you excited every day. So, and that's kind of why I appreciate working in this sphere is I'm so excited to come into work every morning and same thing back at Ohio state working at government relations, um, for the ag college. It's nice to have any type of job that gets you really excited to go to work every day. So if you ask me to go to an 8 a.m. class, I'm, it's not going to happen. But if you ask me to show up to work at 8 a.m., I'm going to be jumping out of bed. So it's funny, as you get older, you realize you're like, wow, maybe this is like, it's the sphere I want to work in. So whatever that ends up looking like, we'll wait and see. But hopefully I, ag policy. Yeah, I think that is a wonderful thing to actually end up doing something you actually like to do. And it's nice if you can be paid for it. <laughs> no kidding. And so, how about you? I am kind of in the same boat of not necessarily knowing exactly what I want to do, but I do want to go to grad school. I've really enjoyed a few of my internships being more focused on research, um, including this one, and kind of figuring out how to communicate those messages with the ag industry and with people outside of the ag industry. So I'm looking forward to pursuing that opportunity. And then I really learned this summer that I like the concept of a trade association and could see myself working in foreign association in the future. I think it provides a better way to kind of accomplish mutual goals within an industry, which is, of course, the purpose of 
a trade association. Yeah. But I've enjoyed the opportunity to kind of see how everything works together and being able to kind of combat the legal side, regulatory side, government affairs, and communication side of things all in one place, which I think is something you don't necessarily find if you don't work for a trade association. So I'm hoping to kind of pursue an opportunity within an association in the future. Okay, that, that sounds great. Now, I think all of you had some animal ag exposure as part of what you had. But you probably found here that one of the things I say that actually gets in the way of agriculture communicating its message is that I think one of our biggest problems is silos and not for grain storage. The silo of like animal scientists don't talk to plant scientists. And, you know, so like you're here, this is just all about plant agriculture, not animal. Do you think there's some room for a bridge between those two sides? I think that one of the biggest things I've seen here is kind of when I came into this, I was like, oh, it's just going to be all pesticides all the time. And that's not at all what it is because um, all of our member companies have such different and varying interests um, as far as what their products are being used for. And I guess with my background growing up on a feedlot, the grain we grew, the corn we grew, was turned into silage that was immediately fed to our animals. So that correspondence and understanding the whole food chain. And I think that's definitely something um, that I've seen all encompassing here. We may not talk about animal agriculture every single day, but you can see it in our allies, um, that we have a really good relationship with people like the American Feed Trade Association, Feed Industry Association, Mm -hmm. if I can even say their name right. But um, it's just the whole circle of American agriculture is such a diverse, but every puzzle piece fits together. So while we do focus mostly on plant science, um, obviously yields affect how all of our animals are produced and um, how meat gets to to people's tables. And so I think that while we are our own chunk, um, every single thing that we do affects all of our members, which affects all of members of their companies and so on and so forth. So you can definitely yeah. see the ripple effect. No, yeah. there there is that. I mean, a lot of farming is for feeding animals. Um, I'm working on a, a script for a podcast about that because there's this big, oh, uh, we, sh- we should have plant-based protein or lab-grown meat or whatever. And, and what I really want to do is the math to say, if you didn't have ruminant animals that could eat grass and basically tie us into cellulose, which is probably the most abundant source of solar stored energy on the globe and the millions and millions of acres of pasture land that aren't suitable for growing crops. Without that, you know, we would be in big trouble. So, And I think there's a lot, something we see a lot kind of in this industry in a very, um, overarching way is we have this concept of one health, right? So looking at all the different aspects, so human health, plant health, animal health, everything ties in together. Um, And I do think especially it makes it easy when you're working in a city like Washington, D.C., because you do have all of these partnerships. Um, So when you're meeting with, you know, American Seed Trade Association or all these different groups um, who might be a little bit more involved with some different aspects of agriculture, it makes it feel a little bit more intuitive. We're like, oh, I know that this matters because pesticides are used with pest management, which is used in multifamily housing complexes in Mm. urban America. So it matters because then that's human health and then human health impacts animal health. Um, So I think it's a little bit harder when you're going home to your home states because you're not having that everyday connection with 
your allies and trade associations and things like that who may be kind of complementing the work you're doing in one specific field. But I think that's a really great part, too, of the fact that we're here on a temporary basis and we get to take what we learned this summer and bring that back to our school. So I know I have a lot of my friends who are animal science majors who didn't come from any type of rural background or anything like that, but they want to be a large animal vet. Um, and I think that's a really cool way that we can start to bridge and have those conversations by talking about, oh, so I know you want to work in veterinary medicine. So I worked with the pesticide industry this summer and some of our products are going to be used to keep fleas and ticks off your animals, which is then tying or into health. keep mycotoxins out of their feet. Yes. Exactly. So there's so many different ways that I think it comes back. And so it's just making the effort to be proactive and seeking out those ties. Because again, it's really easy to stay within our little silos and our echo chambers. Um, so you have to be cognizant of branching outside of that. But I do think once you're looking for those opportunities, you see a lot more of them. So it's just having the mindset of, I want to yeah. prioritize this. So that would argue against something that's being promoted, this idea they're going to take a whole bunch of USDA scientists and ag scientists and move them to Kansas City and says, oh, they'll be closer to agriculture, which means they'll be further away from this sort of interactivity that you guys are talking about. Have, have you met some of these people who are facing this decision about whether they are going to move? I have a few friends who are kind of having to contemplate right now what they're going to be doing. So... Yeah. I'm glad that there's people much smarter than I am who get to look at the logistics of all of that and figure <laughs> out what's going to be the best move because I certainly don't have an answer because I think you can see both sides of the benefit of getting them closer to ag, but then also the drawbacks of taking them away from it. So I think yeah. that that's it's I, not a space I'd want to operate in right now. <laughs> no, and, and, and to me, it's probably just more about family disruption. You know, I mean, I, I in the 80s, I lived in Delaware, so I kind of know what this area is like and you know there there are nice things about living here yeah. you know it's exciting for me living in the midwest and living right by kansas city it's like oh those are job opportunities that i could take someday as a professional <laughs> yeah, that's probably going to be a bunch of openings <laughs> exactly. and all of my colleagues that i see at school that i think are smart and amazing um, can move down there and work but i also can't even imagine trying to live in dc and work in dc and having this kind of disruption so i understand the importance of the close proximity to federal regulations but i also see the importance of really being on top of and living and growing your family and being directly associated with the kind of breadbasket of America right there. So I think it's definitely going to be something that the USDA struggles with for quite a few years, trying to make that change and still get efficient and effective research for all of us to use in our daily lives while making that shift. But I think that I trust the USDA. So yeah, I hope I their decision is good for their employees and I hope it really helps the department in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, there are so many USDA resources that I tap into all the time. And to me, it's this really wonderful, transparent, science-driven organization. I, I really don't have any complaints about USDA at all. So Yeah, I think that's um, my dad being a wildlife biologist works through APHIS at USDA. And I think that I kind ah. of took that for granted growing up, just how well operated that agency really is. And I remember, you know, him always having to go out to business conferences. I'm like, why do you have to do so much paperwork at home every time that you get home? He's like, because these things matter and the details matter. And I think some of that hopefully transferred over to me a little bit, but just they were always been really on top of the decisions that they're making. And so that was kind of my lived experience. My dad started working there straight out of college for USDA. And then 
has followed through ever since. So that was kind of cool now getting to look at the agency from actually the DC perspective, as opposed to seeing it from like a state perspective back home, um, just the different operating levels. And and I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't know and they don't appreciate that when there's regulation that's going on, that's doing a good job of what it's there to do. Speaking back to Rodney Dangerfield, I guess you're too young to have ever heard of him, but he would would always say, I don't get no respect. And uh, I think that's, kind of one of the problems with regulators like EPA and uh, USDA and FDA, that they they don't get the respect that they deserve because they do a good job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like that's what we do every day in the GR department when we're on the Hill. We're there. It's not about the individual chemistries. We're here because we believe in the process. And we believe in the science that underpins those things. So we believe in the FIFRA regulation and FFDCA. Um, And I think that's been one of my favorite parts about this summer is working for an association that is really standing by the sound science that's happening and the transparency there um, and wanting a good relationship with these agencies because we want a good relationship that's not just going to last two or three years, but for generations to come. And so I think that's a really neat part about working for crop life is Mm -hmm. the importance that's put on trusting those agencies, making sure the agencies are using that sound science. Um, I know for me, I feel more confident than I was even before now about the regulatory industry and the things that are happening. Cause right. you know, when I got to sit there and reading through the science advisory panel report from 2016 about <laughs> FIFRA, um, it, you really look at the details and the minutia, which is hard because no one necessarily wants to spend the time doing that. And it's mm-hmm. everyone lives busy lives. But when you get a chance to look into that type of stuff, you understand why the regulations are there and it makes you feel good yeah. about the system that we live in. Right. And I think that's what you've said about crop life is very true. It's it's not as if they are in any way opposing being regulated. It's like, no, we love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just just give us predictable timelines and science driven rules and we're good with that. Yeah, exactly. And that best represents our interest for years to come. Yeah. So and I think that something that's really interesting to see in our generation is we have this weird dynamic where people don't trust anything. Like we're this mm-hmm. conspiracy theorist generation. And I understand that you shouldn't just take everything you get at face value and trust it. Right. But there's got to be some point where you believe science and you trust science in these transparent agencies. So I think that's something that is definitely shifting is just a general distrust of not only government agencies, but agencies and big corporations in general. So I think that's going to be a big uphill battle that we see in our professional lives is although that we love to be regulated and we love to have these transparent organizations working for us, we need to find a way to portray to people that this should be trusted and continue working with science-based regulations because I think we're on a slippery slope to tin hats, foil hats. <laughs> From both sides of the political From spectrum. Sides. Everyone's got tin foil hats. <laughs> I think with our generation being more kind of questioning things and maybe looking more into things that with people that aren't necessarily supporters of the ag industry, that their comments aren't necessarily taken as like, oh, but how did they come to that conclusion or how did they get that idea in their head? It's more just, oh, someone put this idea in my head, so now I'm going to question the ag industry instead of it kind of being in the reverse sometimes. So I think that leaves the ag industry, also it forces them to be more on the defensive side instead of on offense. 
but it also kind of gives us the opportunity to engage more people in the conversation and have more people interested. But I think it'll be interesting to see how that kind of works itself out in the next couple of years, especially as we enter our professional careers and kind of decide what path we want to take and kind of the area of emphasis we want to have in ag. Well, that's great. I think uh, the ag community is, is getting a great asset from you guys. <laughs> so anyway, I appreciate the chance to talk with you guys today and uh, wish you the best in moving forward. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs>